0: You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 16. Well, Welcome back. I'm Gavin Webber and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, this week we're going to be talking about whey. Now, I've managed to come up with 15 uses for whey. And the reason I'm coming up with this is because as a home cheese maker you always end up with a mountain of whey. And usually there's more than you can use yourself. So here we go through the list. So you can use it in baking. So you could use it instead of buttermilk. Um, if you use it in bread instead of milk... It actually makes the crust a lot browner. Uh, It's also fantastic uh, instead of buttermilk in pancakes. Uh, The second thing you can use whey for is obviously ricotta. Now I've also produced a whey ricotta YouTube video tutorial uh, and I will put that into the show notes. It's very simple. You get the leftover whey, you heat it up to between um, 92 and 97 degrees centigrade. Uh, And then what you can do is add a quarter of a cup of uh, distilled white vinegar or white wine vinegar to the whey and it separates into um, curds and whey again and, and it actually gets rid of all of the additional protein that's left behind Usually out of about six litres of whey, you will end up with about 400 grams of, of whey. And you can add a little bit of milk at the start and that'll increase your yield as well. Now, another thing, um, you've seen all those um, bodybuilders uh, drinking um, whey milkshakes, sorry, whey powdered milkshakes or protein shakes. Well, it's all made from whey. Uh, and what they do is they... They evaporate all of the uh, the liquid, and they have uh, powder left over. So what you can do, you can actually drink it straight, um, especially if it's a sweet whey and it's not um, not used, uh, not collected after a acid cheese like say mozzarella or um, or um, making ricotta even further. So it's uh, it doesn't have any lactose left if you use a sweet whey. Um, so it's good for people who are lactose intolerant it's full of protein uh, and it is easy to digest because it doesn't have that lactose in it. So yeah, you can drink it straight. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit on the acidic side, probably not so good for people with uh, gastric reflux disorder. Um, So yeah, you can drink it straight. It does taste a little bit sour. The next use I've got for whey is for fermenting vegetables. So, If you're into making sauerkraut or kimchi, uh, you can add a few tablespoons and it will help the fermentation process as well as the salt that you normally add uh, to the uh, sauerkraut or kimchi. So that helps with uh, fermenting vegetables. Another use is to uh, soak grains or beans. And uh, so, soaking uh, dried beans or dried grains overnight, because what that helps to do is it helps break down the the phytates uh, in the grains and it makes them more digestible. Uh, I learnt that by reading nourishing traditions now, as I'm an avid gardener, I actually do use whey in the garden. You can uh, dilute it, so it's it's kind of like nature's miracle grow. It's quite amazing it it um, contains nitrogen, potassium. Uh, phosphorus it also contains um, traces of uh, calcium left over from the the casein in the milk and it also has some magnesium in it so it's a it's a good all-rounder there is a little bit of salt a natural salt in it as well it really does help with the uh, microbe activity in the soil i dilute it um, one liter of whey to eight liters of water uh, and that uh, that helps dilute it enough so it's not too acidic for plants. So it's fantastic on acid-loving plants, things like tomatoes and citrus, especially good for tomatoes because the uh, increased uh, calcium helps the, uh, the tomatoes to grow and it prevents uh, what's known as blossom rot, which is good as well. Uh, another use is you can feed it to your pets. Now, not, uh, not uh, unlike humans, it's great for dogs, cats, chickens. My chickens especially like it. I haven't got any pigs, but I, I know for a fact that um, the leftover whey is used after making Parmesan and fed to Parma ham or Parma pigs uh, in Italy. So it has the same benefits as humans. It can increase muscle mass, but not your fat mass. Another use is that you can freeze it. If you've got too much of it in the uh, after cheese making, you can freeze it. It uh, freezes readily. I wouldn't use it uh, after about six months but uh, you probably then use it in the garden so no big deal. So yeah, it freezes well. Just put it back in a milk carton and uh, pop it into the freezer. Now you can also use it in compost bins uh, or compost heaps um, because it also helps increase the microbe activity there and You just add it before turning the heap. Um, I wouldn't add it um, and let it sit because it'll uh, uh, start to smell and reek and uh, make your compost bin get a little bit uh, pongy. You can use the whey to make a brine uh, and you can store uh, feta and halloumi. So you just add some salt to your whey. And then store the, uh, the feta or halloumi. And the good thing about using whey instead of a brine is that you don't need to add calcium chloride to the brine because the uh, the whey has cl- uh, calcium in it already. So it helps stop the cheese from going soggy, if you've experienced that with a feta, uh, and it helps harden the cheese too. Uh, and it, store, it can store for a long time. Uh, another useful way is that you can add it to soups and stews. It makes a really good base. I've used it in soups, uh, especially a minestrone. You can use it as a substitute for a chicken stock or you can mix it 50-50 uh, with, a, uh, with a homemade stock as well. It works really well. Uh, another one is fruit smoothies. So instead of using milk, which has a little bit of fat in it, you can add the protein to your fruit smoothie, so things like uh, strawberries and uh, add a little bit of honey to that and that makes a fantastic smoothie. If you want a little bit more creaminess, sure, you can add a little bit of milk or you can add a scoop of ice cream uh, to thicken that smoothie up. They do taste delicious with that extra honey as well. Now, another great thing you can do with whey is a meat marinade. So if you're a, a meat eater then you can actually tenderise meat with whey because the enzymes in whey help break down the sinews of the meat. Now, if you want to um, add a little bit of flavour to that, add some, uh, some dried herbs or some fresh herbs like uh, rosemary or thyme uh, and some um, salt and pepper and add that to the, the whey. Uh, if you want it to act a lot faster, what you can do is um, put your meat and uh, your whey and seasonings into a, uh, a bag and vacuum pack that and it uh, penetrates into the meat a lot quicker um, and it makes a really tender steak, that's for sure. Uh, another way you can use your whey, oh, pardon the pun, uh, you can stretch your mozzarella. Uh, instead of using the microwave to stretch the curd, what you can do is you can add salt to whey and I think it's about a quarter of a cup uh, that you add to the whey, and you use that to stretch the curds, um, and uh, and you do that a few times, and you can make a lovely big mozzarella ball. So that uh, that's a quick mozzarella, but using uh, heated whey. Another use that I have uh, I've used as well is use it as a fungicide. So in my uh, veggie patch, the Uh, cucurbit's family, which is um, zucchini, uh, pumpkins, squash, all those sort of um, uh, vegetables, they uh, readily get infected by a disease, a a fungus called powdery mildew. And one of the traditional methods is to spray milk diluted with a little bit of water and a little bit of um, uh, olive oil uh, and shake that up and, and spray it on. But instead of using the milk, uh, which you could use to make cheese, use the whey. It's just as good. It's got the same sort of acidity. It's still got uh, the same proteins which kill the um, the the funguses or the fungi uh, on the leaves of your plants. It's also good for uh, broad bean rust, as I found out. So a, a final last one, which leads into our news story, can actually be used for uh, making biogas. So You can uh, ferment the whey anaerobically, uh, and that produces methane, uh, and you can use that methane once it's cleaned um, to generate electricity. Uh, Probably not a doable thing at home, but uh, certainly on an industrial scale, instead of... uh, Instead of turning it into a waste product, they can actually use it to, uh, to make biogas. And, uh, and, yeah, like I said, generate electricity. Okay, uh, we've got uh, the cheese of the week. Now, I recently produced a cheese-making video tutorial for Halloumi. Now, Halloumi is a Cypriot cheese, uh, and it's made in both uh, by the, the Turkish Cypriots and the Greek Cypriots, and it's actually the same recipe. Pretty simple to make. I used um, 8 litres of uh, of uh, raw milk uh, that I managed to get my hands on, and uh, it produced the most fantastic cheese. Now, halloumi doesn't readily melt, so it's not a melting cheese. Uh, you can use it to cook, uh, so you can cook with halloumi, and what we did once we made the looming, and you can go and have a look at the recipe over on the littlegreencheese.com, uh, we uh, fried in a fry, frying pan with a little bit of olive oil, and then uh, and then you just brown each side um, very gently. And then what we did, we ate that with fresh watermelon. And i tell you what, the taste that those, those, the cheese and the watermelon go together like peas and carrots it's amazing it's such an amazing flavor so do yourself a favor pop over to littlegreencheese.com and have a look at my halloumi video tutorial and i've also posted the recipe that i created Uh, i created it off a couple of uh, youtube videos that i found uh, that used the traditional cypriot recipe so go give that a go fantastic recipe and well worth it So, welcome to the news. Now, the Cheese News this uh, episode is about a, would you believe, an electricity company. Now, what's that got to ch- do with cheese, you ask? Well, they actually make their electricity, as I hinted in the uh, the Ways to Use Whey segment, they actually make their electricity from excess whey. <laughs> and the company is called the Green Whey Energy Company. Uh, it's in uh, Wisconsin in the United States of America. And what they do, they hand the company handles wastewater from uh, cheese and soy processing plants, which would normally be spread on crops. Now, apparently, uh, there are some tighter regulations over there in the US, so they can't spread that around too much. It probably taints the groundwater if they uh, over-fertilise with that. So what Greenway company does is it converts the waste water or waste whey into electricity heat and fertiliser so they work with seven dairies and they supply thousands of uh, litres of waste uh, whey daily uh, and that comes via a, a truck or a pipeline to each of the dairies that because uh, they must be quite local. Uh, they put that into a large uh, tank and they add some uh, they add some additives to it, funny about that, and what happens is that then uh, they, they get it to the proper pH levels and they um, anaerobically um, process the whey and it starts digesting uh, and creating methane and they pump the methane off into two massive big engines uh, that runs on the methane and it creates electricity. And also there are uh, byproducts uh, after that. So when the um, uh, the byproducts are water. So that's fantastic. They can use that again. Uh, and biosolids. So what they use the biosolids as uh, the sludge as fertilizer. And uh, obviously uh, the electricity, which is fantastic after they burn the methane. So well done to the Greenway Energy Company over in uh, Wisconsin, uh, USA. Now we've got a few uh, listener questions uh, and the first one comes from Glenn. So I'll just play that now. Hey Gavin, I enjoyed your video about the Colby cheese. Could you tell me more about your cheese press? I can't tell from the press that you're using with that spring uh, how you can tell how much pressure you're putting down on that. Uh, If you could let me know. Thanks. No problems, Glenn. Thank you very much for your voicemail. Uh, yeah, the uh, the mini cheese press that I use has a fifty-pound spring on the top. So I put once I put the cheese into the cheese mold, I put a follower on top, uh, and then on top of the follower, I put the fifty-pound spring, or uh, twenty-two kilos, I think it is. And what I do, it's an estimation, right? There's no, there's not too much science to it. It's more art than science. So, I know that when the spring is halfway compressed uh then that equates to twenty five pounds or about uh twelve and a half kilos um and then just guess from there so if it if it uh if the recipe calls for a light pressing uh obviously I only compress the spring a little bit, but most recipes have a range between uh twenty five and fifty pounds of pressure. And so, so that's what I use. Other people, if they have, a say, a Dutch press, um, they will hang weights off of uh, the arm for the Dutch press, uh, and that's pretty easy to determine how much weight is on them. I actually wrote a post over on littlegreencheese.com around uh, home cheese presses or do-it-yourself do cheese presses. Uh, pop over and have a look at that. I hope that's answered your question, Glenn. I've got a couple of emails from listeners as well. Let's just bring up the first one there. Uh, The first one I received uh, today from Patricia, and Patricia comes from Aurora in uh, Colorado, United States. Now, Patricia asks, Hi, Gavin. I have watched your video on making Swiss cheese. I put mine in the cave for seven days and about 12 hours after I took it out to sit in room temperature for two weeks, I noticed it to have an oily quality on the outside. Is that natural? Well, yes, Patricia, it is. It is quite natural for that type of cheese. You'll find it also on uh, other high-temperature cheeses like Parmesan and Romano and uh, Gruyere, uh, they all have a... um, uh, a slightly oily touch to them. It is natural. Uh, if you get a little bit concerned about it, you can wipe it off. Uh, no big deal. But you'll find that your Swiss-type cheese or your Emmental uh, will start to swell over the next few weeks and form the eyes. So that's fantastic. Well, I hope that's helped out. I've got a another question here from... and uh, This one's from Cole, and Cole sent in a few questions before a question or an idea. He says, uh, hi Gavin uh, just a question or an idea I've been looking for a set of instructions for making a Castello type cheese uh, but I cannot find one on the net or am I looking in in the incorrect areas for it uh, He also goes on to say that it's much like in his, liked in his circle of friends and it will be a great cheese to have in the cheese fridge on offer. So Really, Cole, I do know of a friend, a fellow cheese maker. Uh, his name is uh, Gukan, and I actually did an interview with him. Uh, I think it was the second podcast or second or third podcast, and he makes a cheese very similar to a Costello Blue, uh, which is a, a cross between a camembert and a gorgonzola, and he calls it a, a camberzola. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how he pronounced it. And basically, I think at he's got a, um, a recipe on his site, and I'll I'll share that uh, in the show notes. And basically, uh, when you add in, so you're making a basic camembert, and you add in your uh, uh, geotrichum or your penicillin uh, camembert, uh, and you also add uh, penicillin Roque 40, so the blue cheese mould. Uh, all at the same time, and that develops into, if you use his method, into a nice Costello blue type cheese. So I hope that helps, and uh, look for those in the show notes. Okay, the final email is from Mike, and Mike comes from, I think he's from the UK, not too sure. Sorry about that, Mike, if you're not. Uh, Mike says, hi, Gavin, uh, hope you're well Uh, Many thanks for your last help uh, around storing Camembert bear in plastic containers in the fridge. It has made a huge difference in staying moist. I would now like your experience on an issue I have with some Camembert we made, and it's the first time this has happened. Uh, He attached a couple of pictures, and basically it shows that a couple of days after the white mould appeared, uh, as it's supposed to, a yellow mould started to form as well. Uh, and he says, I'm not sure why. Uh, you will also note that in picture number four, we have removed it and resalted. Any ideas? Is it safe or does it need ditching? Well, I've only had this um, happen before, but it wasn't on a camembert, it was on a, um, a caffili. So basically, all I did was uh, scrape that mold off and uh, resalt the cheese, and it went away. Now, on a uh, soft cheese, it's probably a little bit harder. You'll have to, and by looking at his pictures, and it's difficult in uh, on a podcast, obviously, it, it covers the entire cheese. So my advice to Mike was to smell the cheese. Um, if it had an off smell, then there's probably not much you can do with it. Um, I wouldn't uh, even try to save it. Uh, you could um, dip it into a brine, uh, a brine to try and kill off that mould but then you would have to re-inoculate with Penicillium Camberdi um, uh, or um, Geotrichum so probably best if you start it again and uh, pay a little bit more attention to sanitization and go from there. Well that's all the uh, listener questions that I had this week Well that's the end of the episode So, for upcoming workshop dates, recipes, and YouTube video tutorials, you can all find them on littlegreencheese.com. You can also find my ebook, Keep Karma Make Cheese The Beginner's Guide to Cheesemaking at Home. And that's available in all ebook formats. You can also find all of my video tutorials um, either in my ebook or on my YouTube channel. Just search for Greening of Gavin. Thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next episode of Little Green Cheese. During this podcast, you heard royalty-free music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop, News Theme, and Call to the Dairy Cows.